to The Hockey Show with Pat Boyle and Barstool Chief. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and the ESPN Chicago app. Ready for the power play? You're listening to The Hockey Show on ESPN Chicago. to the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000 with Barstool Chief. I am Pat Boyle. Nothing like Chicago. 76 degrees a couple days ago. We got snow flurries today. Christmas decorations out. I'm ready for it. I'm excited. I am too. Uh, a hockey team that we uh, that we love and follow. Um, they're not exactly uh, losing hard for Bedard, as, as we like to say in the business. No, because they work too hard. They work too hard. They work, you know, if you wanted to be, they should have just kept Colleton and, and rerun the same roster if they wanted to be at the bottom. But this is, this is the most fun I've ever had watching a, uh, a bad team because they just work hard. They do things the right way. And, you know, that game the other night uh, in LA, late night, I am a go to bed early guy typically, 9 30 starts. So that's going to get a, a, an angry tweet out of yeah, me. Yeah. I loved every second of it. I would have watched that game until three in the morning. Wait, so. are you talking about the Blackhawks or the Bears? <laughs> uh, both of them. Both of them. Justin Fields, I'll watch him run for 200 yards a game. He, he's fun, and the Blackhawks are they're a fun team to watch too. So uh, this bad is the teams ho- that are just exciting to watch. Yeah, sign I, me up. Uh, like it's always the, the the chase and the climb is always fun, and we're in both in in that mode for both teams, and we'll wait for disappointment that'll come eventually. Uh, but for right now, it's all gravy. You bring up a great point, Kendra, because basically the last couple of weeks, you know, the Bears are are losing by double digits, or but you you still walk out of that game going. Well, they got they found their quarterback, yeah. and, and I'm like excited. And it's weird watching this team who has lost six of seven, but mm-hmm. they pick up these loser points. They're not an embarrassment. Not like, an that's embarrassment. the difference. It's like they're working hard. They're not making stupid mistakes. The defensive coverage is, you know, it's, it, they're they have some physical limitations. We'll say in terms of just talent. But guys are generally generally in the right spot. Sticks are in the right spot. They play for each other. They play with each other. It's it's great hockey. So I, I will watch until when they play L.A. I'll watch it until 3 in the morning if I have to. I mean, you look at the numbers from the, the L.A. game. Scoring chances 5-on-5. Five 29-9 five, in favor of L.A. Yeah, that sounds about right. 5-on-5 five five high danger chances. I want, I want to say it was like 11-2. to 11-2. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't be in that game. Nope. They had no business being in that game. No, no yeah. business at all. The, the, the goaltending has been the story, and yet every guy's been injured or on the shelf or in protocol. I mean, it, it's they've got the sixth best team save percentage, five on five in the National Hockey League at 933. Nobody thought Staylock and Mrazek would put up numbers like that. Trade them both. Trade them both because that was supposed to be like the in case of emergency break glass for the tank. Right. Was like, hey, like we have the right coach, but if if we get goalies who will be bad enough, it doesn't matter how hard we'll play, we'll still lose. They're not bad. No. They're, like Mrazek was, I was fully expecting him to kind of turn Hadn't into. Hadn't played in almost three weeks. He looked like he was ready to win the Vezina. It was fantastic. Yeah. So they, they've picked up at least a point in eight of their last 11 games. So it's not like they're not helping their odds of, mm-hmm. of drafting. That's a great way to finish 12th. Two. Yeah, it yeah. is. Right now, I think they'd, they'd pick ninth or 10th. Yeah. Um, so 
the topic of the surprising start and how it impacts the rebuild was brought up to Kyle Davidson this past week. A teammate of ours at ESPN, Emily Kaplan, uh, spoke to him. And, and here's, here is the response from Kyle on the surprising start and how it affects what everybody thought was going to be a tank season. It's funny because it goes against what some people thought we were going to be. Everyone is focused on the draft, right? But we're trying to do the best thing for the team and organization every night. And that's putting a hard-working effort on the ice. Every night we show up. We want to win. We're not putting a team on the ice that we expect to lose. Wherever we end up in the standings, it's our job and our scouting staff's job to find talent from that point. Do you think he gives that quote and then goes back into his office and screams into a pillow? Because that's like, it's the perfect, perfect response that you have to say as a general manager. But... I mean, he got too good of a coach, and then we have this resurgent Jonathan Taves. The guys, are they're playing for, they're hungry. So I, right. I do think, like, his plan, you know, I th- he wants to be in that bottom three. You have, of course he does. He, like, it's better for him. It's better probably for the team long term. Like, But it, it's like you can't have two things at the same time. You can't have the perfect coach, which I think he nailed that hire. And, you know, they were linked to all sorts of different guys. They nailed that Luke Richardson hire. And you were saying before you watched the, the behind-the-scenes program the Blackhawks yeah. put out, and he really comes across well. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But if you get the right coach, you're probably not going to be bad enough. And that's because the margin for error between the worst team and the team in ninth is really almost nothing, and a coach can make a big difference. So, And they're finally not... They're not putting soft players, uh, you know, out there at each and every shift like we saw a lot over the last few years. I'm trying to think if they have one. Do they have one guy? You know, and they have skill guys, but even even like Anthony Sio, like he's not shy about taking the puck to the net. Not not, not at all. Right. Like so, taking it hard to the paint yeah. to the point where you're like, you know. Like, is that goalie interference yeah, that you yeah, just yeah, said? Yeah, you know? yeah. like, you'll just run people over. <laughs> so he's not, like, he's definitely a skill guy. He's not going to go out there, fight or throw his body around or anything, but he's he doesn't play with fear. So he's, they just have a lot of a lot of guys who have a lot of guts. They got a lot of guts on that team and a lot of sand, and that can take you a long way in this league. So what do you think about the start to the season and the fact that it uh, is not probably going to your tank for Bedard, uh, Fail for Fantilli. Fail for Fantilli. Uh, you can't spell Fantilli without few L's, whatever. <laughs> uh, if it's not going that way, how are you accepting what you've seen on the ice? Are you like Chief and you're just loving this this team because they put in a solid effort each and every shift, pretty much every night? Or are you fixated on that draft uh, that's going to take place uh, in Nashville mm-hmm. in late June? Uh there's one thing that Kyle Davidson couldn't do, can do, besides screaming into a pillow. He he could start moving players sooner rather than later. Now, he also has to worry about disrupting a culture that's being established. Yes, and that, and and yeah. so, I mean, obviously that would not go over well in the room if you start taking, mm-hmm. you know, a Lafferty here, a Domi yep. there, uh, often to see you over here yeah. and move those guys, which we all expect them to do. Yeah, I don't even know if there's a market for those guys as of yet. Like any team that wanted Anthony Sioux or Domi or Jack Johnson or somebody like that six weeks ago or you know earlier yeah. in the summer, 
they could have had them. Right. So I think you're going to need to see teams be like, man, we need a little bit more to get where we want to go. Or we had an injury or something like that. Like, and I think on November 12th, like that market's just not there. So it's almost like, you know, he might have, what do they have those dolls that you, that you stab that yeah. the, the, the put curses on people? Like right. Davidson might have to make one of those <laughs> and just be like, oh, there's number 13 Domi. Let's see if we can get a little, get a little bad, bad play out of him, a little nick in, uh, in his knee or something like that. But it's, it's with this roster and that coach, it's going to be a pretty good team. Your thoughts on this? 312-332-3776 is the way to reach us. You can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN1000 Chicago, or listen on the ESPN Chicago app. Let's check in with Jonathan. He joins us from Ohio. Good morning or good afternoon, Jonathan. How you doing? Welcome to the Hockey Show. Pat, Chief, how are you guys? I'm doing, doing great. Right. How are you? Uh, doing all right. Uh, so my first thing I wanted to bring up is that um, – is there an issue with how the Blackhawks are developing prospects in Rockford? Are they not putting enough money in? Is the development staff not good enough? Because it seems like that, um, and I know Stan traded away a lot of players, but it seems like they're not developing enough players down there into quality NHLers. Like the, the last guy who spent a lot of time in Rockford who developed into a decent NHLer was Henestroza. Yeah, I, I think it's more... Thanks for the call. Yeah, good call. It's something that's beyond me. I don't know if it's beyond you to know how the development staff is. I, I know a couple of their development guys. I think the world of them, related to one of them, <laughs> so I have to. But I, I do think that uh, it's more, this is like a, a Jimmy's and Joe's question. Like, they just haven't had enough talent. Uh, it's not like they're doing anything bad developmentally, because if that were the case, you would think a guy would spring up somewhere else. You could make an argument that certain guys were brought in too early, uh, but in terms of you know, later round picks. Like the guy that comes to mind for me that I thought I was sure was going to be a, a an NHL player based on what he did in college was Evan Barrett. And it, for whatever reason in Rockford, it just didn't work out. I believe they traded him uh, not to that Philly. to Philly not yeah. that long ago. So I really liked him as a player uh, in college, but he might have not have just had the foot speed or the hands to do it at a professional level, or who knows what the issue was. So it, it, I can't really diagnose a some sort of systemic development issue. Uh, so I'd be I would be surprised if that were the case because they did sort of have a pipeline for a while. Yeah, I mean you look back to the Cup teams mm-hmm. and they all kind of came from the farm system, including Duncan Keith, Corey yeah. Crawford, uh, Bickle. Yeah. Uh, you know you can go on and on. Well, Troy Brower, and, and and you can even go another we'll call it a generation later. We saw it on Thursday, Phil Deneau. Yeah, he spent a lot of time in Rockford, and he was just starting to scratch the surface uh, when he got dealt. Uh, Ryan Hartman, same thing. He's got a bad injury right now, but he he spent a lot of time in Rockford. He's turned into a great NHL player. I mean, we make fun of this all the time. Like that, the list of guys that of uh, prospects that came up through the Hawks and went elsewhere, Forsling, all, all these guys spent time in Rockford and turned into good pros. The Hawks just either didn't know what they had or. Yeah, I think that's probably what it was. They just didn't know what they yeah, had. Yeah, I, I think they they drafted poorly. Yeah. We, we went through last week. Uh, the, More recently, it's been drafting poorly. Yeah, yeah, and especially in early rounds. Yep. I mean, the fact that no first-round pick is with the organization. It's atrocious. You know, other than, you know, yeah. Korchinski and, and, you know, Reichel. Just and Patrick recent, Kane. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like a it's, 12-year gap. Yeah, a 12-year yeah. gap. And, and, like, Philip Deneau's a perfect example mm-hmm. of... If they don't make that trade, and again, you can you can sit there and say, well, they were going for it, they were going for it, but 
you know, Stan selected who he wanted from Montreal yeah. in that Dale Weiss uh, Fleischman trade, Ugh. and it didn't. Yeah. It wasn't what Joel Quenville wanted to coach, and there was a disconnect there. Yep. And then you give away Philip Deneau, who had been a top six centerman for you for the last six years. years, five, yeah. five, six years, yep. right? Yep. And he's still. And I think his offense got to a level that people didn't really anticipate. Like I, I, I did some. Uh, you know, thank God for Twitter or depending on what side of the argument fall on. But I went back and was doing on Thursday night watching that game. Like, what did I actually think in real time? Because every I don't delete tweets and everything's kind of time stamped. I was really thinking that he would be a, a great third line bottom bottom six guy. He was already um, at that in that year one of the Blackhawks top faceoff guys. But I had really kind of penciled him in at least in my brain as the guy who was going to replace Marcus Kruger. That's another guy who came up kind of through. Well, I guess he didn't really spend any time in Rockford. He kind of went from Sweden right to the NHL, but. That was kind of the, that what I thought they were going to get out of him. Him turning into a twenty-plus goal guy, uh, I think he's. I think he might have had a year with fifty-something points. So that was more than I had thought. But he's he's turned into a very nice player and a guy that went all the way through the system and and is a perfect to me. Like that's a perfect hockey player. Just to complete the thought, Jonathan was asking about you know why they aren't developing talent. You also have to look at the the Blackhawks bought the Rockford Ice mm-hmm. Hogs in the last few years. Yep. Okay, and they've taken over and they've revamped that staff. You know, Anders Sorensen is is the coach there, yep. highly respected. Um, they have brought in an analytics team at the NHL level led by Jeff Greenberg who mm-hmm. was with the Cubs. He's got four or five people underneath him. Part of their job is what Theo and Jed and the Cubs did implementing that the IV system that yeah that got them going in their rebuild. And that's what they're doing similarly here in the yeah. National Hockey League. And so they want one-stop shopping. You want to know what Reichel did on every shift last night. You're sitting on the team bus making your way to Anaheim for the tonight's game. You got it's it. It's right there for mm-hmm. you. So they are taking the steps to do that. It's all about development. I mean, that 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 is... You know, one of the top things that that, uh, Kyle Davidson talks about when he discusses the vision that he has for this team. And that's why you're seeing a guy like Lucas Reichel, who on a team that's starving for offense and scoring, you say to yourself, well, why don't you bring him up? But they're they're like, yeah, they they, want to do it when the player is ready, not because the team is starving for it. Right. And if you want to talk about screwing up your lottery balls. Bring up Lucas Reichel, right. <laughs> so right. like another very you know talented guy, and and I and I think the development thing is going to be so key for this next phase because you could say like you have to pay Taven Kane market value, right? So they get the big deals. The problem was that they didn't really. You have to be able to let go of a Brandon Sod and know that you're going to be having a nine hundred thousand dollar player coming up behind him because he's been doing it in Rockford. So you want to have that the second like this the supplemental players, the secondary scoring around your core, that almost has to be like a, a revolving door. Yeah. Because as soon as they get to the place where they need another contract, you got the next guy coming in. And that's how you keep these things on the wheels. And you can't do that if, A, you're constantly letting them go out, the, you know, selling them before they even get to the NHL or trading away first-round picks or, just, or failing at the development process. So. Yeah. And, and, like, you look, the Seabrook deal was one that like, he should never have been making more money than Duncan Keith. Yeah. And and for that amount. But certainly not for eight years. Not for eight years. Yeah. And I, mean, I, and I think you could argue 
that you want to you do that deal at that number six point one two five or whatever yeah. it was for four or for five. Sure, absolutely, you, you just can't give Especially a thirty-one-year-old eight years. You know that player. You know the work ethic. Like you know. Patrick Kane, what he does in the offseason yeah. and does during the season to keep his body. You know what Brent Seabrook does. So, so all those reasons factor into why would you give somebody an eight-year yeah. contract, especially when you know they've got a family here, they're established. They probably would take a little less to yeah. stay with the team that they love versus overpaying mm-hmm. like Stan did and... The other things was the too many no-movement clauses. You give no-movement clauses to players that give you back money or term. Yeah. And, and, and that that's the only time you do it. You don't pay them fair market value or over market value and then say, oh, by the way, I'm going to paralyze myself even more. Right. Here's a no-trade clause. <laughs> right. Hey, Anisimov, here you go. Yeah, you know, like that mean, was that He gave those out like candy. I, oh, never, I never understood it that. It was just uh, ridiculous. Yeah, so, and you box yourself in, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, we don't have any... It's like a, like the old Chinese finger trap. No matter which way you pull, you're stuck, and you end up having to give away Terravine. And, and, it, and it's because you box yourself into bad deals. So, and it... I, you know, people were kind of critical of like, oh, well, Davidson was here the whole time. Well, he got a front row seat of what to to learn what not to do. So I, I do think that he's <laughs> probably learned some of those lessons and, and won't make those same mistakes. All right. So with the surprising start by the Blackhawks and the failure of several teams below them, uh, how is that going to impact the trade market? We'll delve into that. And is there any discussion about... Seth Jones possibly leaving the Blackhawks. We'll hear from Kyle Davidson on that. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Hey, Kendra, I'm trying to find the um, the Hawks, the Hockey Show uh, page. You're listening to The Hockey Show. When you're at home, don't miss Chicago's only show dedicated to hockey fans. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. Blackwell draws back in. The pass is stopped by Morazic. Fiala looking for a tip for Kopitar. And then Fiala is stopped by Morazic. Lazat's out of the box. Five on four for Los Angeles. Played along for Domi in the circle. Gets it low in the shot. Score! Taylor Radish gives the Blackhawks the lead on the power play here in the first. Here's Moore. Galiev wants it. Moore's pass. Off a skate. And score! Deneau strikes right at the end of the power play. And this game is tied at one. Taves to the backhand. It back. Domi for Taves. Punch it. And a save by Quick. Oh, Domi. Sprawling to his right. Tano hangs on. He shoots. That's blocked. And the shot. Score! Fiala the winner in overtime with one second to go. 
Wild finish in Los Angeles on Thursday night. That was on ESPN Plus with Barstool Chief. I'm Pat Boyle. It's the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Entertaining overtime. It, it was great. That's what you know you want when you hear three on three. I feel yeah. like three on three has lost a little bit of its muster across the league because guys have kind of figured out how to not make it uh, a track meet. But uh, you know. They did not deserve to win. They didn't deserve to lose like that. One second. You see a last buzzer second beater. buzzer beater yeah. in the National Hockey tough. League. You got one that night. It's also the the father's trip. Every other year, it's it's the fathers. Next year, it'll be the moms. And, you know, most NHL teams do this. The Hawks do it first class. Mm-hmm. So, you know, nothing like going with your dad to Los Angeles for a couple of days. Yeah. They've got, you know, probably had golf set up yesterday. They did Pebble Beach. Oh, I mean, pretty good. Not, not bad. That, <laughs> yeah. that'll, that'll play. Yeah, and I think uh, Pebble Beach and then a day in uh, in Napa, too. Yeah, so, so I mean, you know, and then it, it, it's it's payback for all those early morning practices when dad and mom yeah. would wake the kid up, take him to practice, or shuttle him around the Midwest because he was on a travel team yep. and, and spending weekends in Cincinnati and Detroit and every other city. Now I'm feeling the like I gotta come up with a way to repay my parents because yeah. I'm not in the NHL, <laughs> so I can't have an all expenses Pebble Beach Napa wine trip for my parents. Well, so I gotta you, you go figure to something York, out. You go to New York City for bar stool. Mm-hmm. You, you bring them along, and this is this yeah, is headquarters. This is it. We're this right here at Penn Station. Oh yeah, getting get excited. Yeah, I don't think they would be. Excited for that, so I'll, I'll come up with something. I'll, I'll repay them someday. But like my, I was, uh, I was sick this past week, and I was talking to my mom. She's like, "Oh, I would have. I didn't tell her because she's she would have come down." I'm like, "I don't want you to do like three hours round trip driving." And she's like, "Oh, it's not that bad." I'm like, "She's like, I was a hockey parent. I'm used to drive." I'm like, "Exactly, exactly, exactly." Like you've done enough driving for me in your life. Like I can handle. Uh, a little, a little sickness. So, so it's the dad's trip. They'll be uh, in a, you know, a box in Anaheim tonight, watching the Blackhawks uh, take on the Ducks. Nine o'clock faceoff, eight thirty pregame show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised other sports haven't taken some things from the National Hockey League, like, like for example, the Stanley Cup. Yep. Every championship player gets a day at least with the cup. Everybody in the organization that they deem important or cup worthy i think that's awesome i'm surprised others i'm surprised in the national football league that the lombardi trophy doesn't get a day or two with every player and coach and staff member on said team in the offseason i think that would be you know you made the point nothing has the cachet or the presence of the cup i i get that but still i mean i also just think it being a cup because there's just, you know, like I love when you see, you know, if someone has young kids, you know, if a guy yeah. wins it with young kids and they're eating fruit loops out yeah. of it, or, you know, if they have, uh, if it's a younger guy and they're just, them and their boys are just gassing beers out of the cup. Like there is like just more you can do with it. Phil Kessel with the hot dogs in it, all of that kind of stuff I think matters where if it's the Larry O'Brien or um, the Lombardi Trophy. It's like, well, there it is. There it is. And and I do. Here's feel, the World Series Trophy. Yeah, kids, don't get hurt. Don't touch it. Yeah, yeah. Don't you touch snap it. Snap off one of those little twig flags. So poke your eye out. Yeah. So I, I just the cup is just a cooler trophy. It has the history, the cachet, like you're saying, and you can just you can have more fun with it. And uh, you know, I don't I don't know if we've talked about this, but in '15. Um, Darl's invited me out. Scott Darl invited me out for like the cup party. In so, Lamont? 
No. No. This is with on the party bus with all the boys oh, running, running okay. around Chicago. All right. Well, and, that's a little different than yeah, the... Uh, so carried it out of, um, out of Tavern. And it's just like wherever we went... We like yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, where, wherever the cup went, there was like a mass of people out on the street waiting for it because yeah. like people were tracking it on social media. Oh, it's that tavern now. It's going to rocket. All these places that are now out of business, unfortunately. But it was like that. It was. It had such a presence, and I don't think that people care about even even most hockey people are casuals. I would say they still care about the cup in a way that they don't about the Larry O'Brien. Right. Yeah. Right. No. It's uh, it's it's nothing beats being in a in a city that wins the cup and having that energy of that thing going around oh. the town. And you you know like 2010, it was even it was even more archaic because you know tracking wasn't you know oh, we was, would follow cup tracker was basically right. how you did, and it was always at least a good two three hours yeah. behind where the cup actually was. But like in 13 and 15. You, it got to rocket or whatever, to, and it was like you knew it right away, and like and people are beelining hundreds of people outside, yeah. like you know, and the guys were like spraying champagne off the balcony and at rocket, and people were loving that, showing the cup, get a big cheer, because in a way, it's the biggest celebrity on the team. Like it's it's still going to be more you know have more re- name recognition than even Patrick Kane or Taves. My my uh, one of my favorite. Snapshots is I, I don't know if it was thirteen or fifteen, but when Barstool Big Cat went to Wrigley with <laughs> that the was guys, 15, 15, yeah, yeah, and like somehow was with the traveling party, and they're walking around Wrigley, and the place yeah. is going bananas, and there's Big Cat there's in the Dan. background. Well, just, I, it was his it was his profile picture on Twitter for, for the uh, longest yeah. time, and uh, but that you know he's pretty good friends with Sharpie, yes, and uh, so Sharpie had like the kickoff party at his house and right. he lived not too not far, far up the, up that way and uh so they started the party there and then they're you know so he was just with them and he's a bigger guy uh doesn't really look professional athlete shape but he was enough that like he was on the mound i can't remember wh- wh- what picture it was but he just shook his hand and was like congratulations man like <laughs> thought, thought dan was on the team it was so, just oh. an unbelievable story. And then I had like a full time job. So I was just working and then I met up with them later that night. But that was the 15 that, okay. year. Yeah. That was nice. Speaking yeah. of cups, the defending Calder Cup champions sponsor this fine show, the Chicago Wolves. Tonight is Military Appreciation Night. They face off at 7 o'clock with Iowa tomorrow afternoon. It's family day. They'll take on Iowa once again. That is a 3 p.m. puck drop. Coming up next. NBCSportsChicago.com's Blackhawks insider Charlie Romeliotis joins us. We'll get his thoughts on what uh, Kyle Davidson had to say about uh, any possibility of Seth Jones possibly being dealt from the Blackhawks. That's next. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. On the AM at 1000. On the FM at 100.3 HD2. On your phone. Through the ESPN Chicago app. You only get one shot. Barstool Chief. That's right. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. With Barstool Chief, I'm Pat Boyle. We're here every Saturday, 1 to 2 o'clock on the... WMVP Blowtorch, ESPN 1000. 
And we are sponsored by the Chicago Wolves, defending Calder Cup champions. Our pleasure to welcome in the Blackhawks insider at NBC Sports Chicago. He's Charlie Romeliotis. How you doing today, Charlie? What's going on, guys? Hey, I appreciated the walk down memory lane with the, the cup tracker discussion because <laughs> I want to say, and Chief, you can confirm this, I think it was the 2013 Stanley Cup winning Blackhawks team that actually started the cup tracker on Twitter, and then every every other team after that basically started a Twitter. So like, I want to say the, Chicago, the city of Chicago, they were pioneers on that cup tracker thing. I will take your word for it. I don't actually, I don't actually remember, but it sounds sounds right to me. I do remember the cup track. I just don't know if it existed before or after that. To be honest, take my word for it. I will. Hey, uh, want to start with uh, a, a conversation that uh, Emily Kaplan had with Kyle Davidson this week, and they they covered a, a few different topics, but one of them was, you know, Kane's future, Taves' future. He said he's had zero conversations with any general managers about Kane being moved. He only answered that they're very happy with Taves' start to the season. On the topic of Seth Jones being moved, this is what uh, he told Emily. Seth is a big part of what we're doing here moving forward. We feel really lucky to have Seth on our team and on our team long term. Now, they went on to say if somebody does pick up the phone before the March 3rd trade deadline... Given the situation we're in, we're going to be a team that certainly listens. So, you know, we, we got to discussing that the other day on the podcast, Charlie. And, you know, at nine and a half million over the next eight years, mm-hmm. uh, that's not an easy contract to move, although the cap is going to be going up in Get the next year all the time. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and if, let's just say the Hawks were willing to eat maybe a million of that. Do you think there would be any teams interested in Seth Jones? So I think it's really early for, for teams to maybe start asking about Seth Jones's availability. Um, I know right before that that trade happened, Seth Jones gave, or his agent basically gave teams two teams that he wanted to sign an extension with, and it was either Dallas or Chicago. Now, obviously, the circumstances were much different when he was when he wanted to kind of sign that eight-year deal after the trade with Chicago because he probably thought that the trajectory of the Blackhawks was back on the upswing. But I do think if there were to uh, a move to be made here, it has to be it has to come from from Seth Jones wanting going to the management and being like, "Hey, I know you guys want me around, or maybe for the short term to kind of help establish a culture." Um, you know, but maybe we do kind of float my name out there. But I just don't see a team, you know, it would be different if he had maybe four years left on his contract. But for eight years um, at that price, even at a, a retained salary amount, like I just don't see that happening until we get to the maybe the second half of the contract. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any need to either. Like I, I think that contract, people get upset about the nine and a half. You're eventually going to need to have good players. And as much as I like the way Korchinski and some of these other prospects look, uh, how they look so far, you need to have some bona fide NHL players in, in your in your cupboard. And he's certainly one of them. Uh, so I, I wouldn't do it. Are, 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 you, are you a believer in Jones, Charlie? I am. I, I do think he, he's the number one defense. I actually think, you know, if you look at some other teams in the NHL, like if you look at Toronto and, and maybe Edmonton, like those guys could use, uh, a player of Seth Jones's caliber, and like for for me, like I feel like the Maple Leafs specifically, like they've just lacked 
a guy that can do it all, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't have a, a Duncan Keith, a Drew Doughty, a Zidane Char, like all the a Chris Letang, all those teams that have won Stanley Cups. Like you, you kind of need just that one guy that you can throw out there in any situation. Some of those teams don't have that, and I, I feel like Seth Jones definitely falls into that category. It's just the the problem is is the the contract at this point. And I will say I will say this though, like he, it's not like you know you look at some teams that are some players that hit the UFA market. Some, most of them are, are 28, 29, maybe 30 years old. Like when Seth Jones signed that eight-year deal, he was 26. So it, it's not like the back half of that contract is going to be uh, real ugly, uh, especially with the salary cap going up. Um, so that, that might be, um, you know, it's not like an Eric Carlson situation where he's like the back half of the contract at like $11 million. You know, like that that seems immovable. But Seth Jones, there might be at some point a, a an opportunity to move him. I just don't think it's going to come anytime soon. Charlie Romeliotis joins us on the hockey show on ESPN 1000. Just while we're on the topic of, of Seth and uh, and some other guys that have been banged up, like Tyler Johnson, Alex Stalock, give us a quick update. Uh, we, we we saw Seth and Tyler on the ice the other day, didn't we? Yeah, we saw Seth, Tyler, and we saw Stalock on the ice uh, right before they hit the road um, to, to L.A. And it feels like they're both they're all on, on track, or at least Tyler and Seth are on track. Uh, to return on their respective timelines. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get home um, you know, from this trip and Alex Stalock is returning to practice with the team and he's, it, it won't be long before the Blackhawks finally have a, a healthy goaltending tandem again and we don't have to wonder if Scott Foster is going to be making an appearance at the United Center anytime soon. How funny was that that so when they went to Soderblom and – there was question whether or not they would have to go to emergency backup. Scott Foster was actually scheduled to be the emergency oh, backup that night. That I did not yeah. know that, and <laughs> I I would have guessed that he retired because hey, it's like go out on top exactly yeah. right. Go out like Elway, you know, like it's <laughs> never going to get better than that. You ended up pitching a shutout against Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. They're chanting your name at the United Center, like. That's it. Good night, everybody. You get your own podium at the Blackhawks convention every year. Yeah, so right, just, right. Just, and there it is, the Scott yeah, Foster. Right, yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I, I'm with Chief on that one. I would have hung him up and, and said, you know what? The story's not going to get better than, than what just, was written. Just live at Johnny's. Go back to Johnny's. Well, he's also the, the number one. He's got, he's got the best save percentage in NHL history. So like, I don't even know why he would want to toy with that. Yeah. Yeah, leave your hockey DB alone. <laughs> So what do you make of this team? I mean, look, if it wasn't for the fantastic goaltending, I think they'd be much closer to the bottom of the uh, the, the standings and where they are. They're, they're, they've been getting these loser points despite being on the other end of most of these games. They've lost six of seven, but you know, as, as you look at it, they've picked up at least a point in eight of their last 11. So kind of what, what do you make of it? Are they starting to come back down to earth? Yeah, I, I do think water is finding its level here. When they ripped off that four-game winning streak towards the beginning of the season, that it came against teams that weren't necessarily uh, high-quality teams going into the year, like none of those teams had made the playoffs. And now that the Blackhawks are kind of getting into the meat of the schedule where they're facing teams like L.A. and Edmonton, and um, you can kind of see the, the talent disparity between the two teams. But I will say, like, they're obviously competing hard, and I think that's exactly what you want in a rebuild, right? Like, they want competitive losses the problem is they're getting the loser point in those losses like i think if you if you go back to that edmonton game at the united center where 
it was back and forth, but they lost with 33 seconds left in regulation. Like that, that's probably the good loss, right? Where you're you're hanging with the Oilers with McDavid and Drysaitel, um, you know, but you don't get a point. I know that's a little bit demoralizing in the locker room, but at least you can kind of hang your hat on that, and it's not a five-one loss where the guys feel like they were so far away from the other team. Yeah, and those will come. The Winnipeg game is kind of like that, but Charlie. I mean, we had John talking about the injury things. A lot of these loser points in this stretch has come without their number one defenseman and a top six forward. Right. So you add those guys back and in. And number one goalie. And number one goalie. So all of, it's like, yeah, well, are, are they finding their level? They're probably. But there's also the possibility that they look a little worse because they're without three key players. Uh, so I, I do think like we're everybody in this town, myself included, is so ready for them to start losing. Or they're wait, we're waiting for it, so we're trying to find something that maybe it's just not there. That if any team loses their number one defenseman, number one goalie, and a top six forward, they're gonna backslide a little. But if those if those guys are all coming back, like you're saying, then they might just go back to how they were before. Yeah, it's a good point. But when they were winning those games, it felt like the special teams was playing at such a high level, like it's like the power play and the penalty kill, it's like you can never get both of them to click at the same time. It's like one or the other is going, but like all both of those units were, were buzzing yeah. like in the, at the first part of the game or at the first part of the season, where I think after that, the Colorado game, like the Hawks killed off like 25 or 26, and they had four shorties, and the power play was, you know, scored a goal. I mean, they, they were... So I feel like, if anything, the special teams is coming back down to earth, and, and maybe when Tyler Johnson and Seth Jones... Um, return to the lineup, they're going to see a little bit of a spike in the five-on-five play um, just to kind of even things out a little bit. But I don't think it would get to a point again where the Blackhawks are just dominating teams in the special teams department. So um, it's interesting, though. But I'll, let me present this the question to you guys. Where is the water going to eventually find its level? Like, is it is it in the, the bottom five range or is it going to be in the middle of the, the bottom five in the playoff pack? Like, are they going to be hovering around the, the 10th overall spot? all year because like that would be more concerning to me so you know that's a great question and as as i look at the teams that are below them calgary nashville vancouver san jose ottawa anaheim st louis and columbus you know i like to think a couple of those teams like ottawa i think is going to be better than than where they are right now everybody is waiting for st louis to wake up how would that would be such a kick in the you know what if st louis who has not drafted a forward in the top 10 since Rod Brindamore in the 80s. Maybe 90s. No, he's 80s. 80s? Late 80s. Um, That if the one year they stink, they're going to be in the Bedard Fantilli sweepstakes. That would be, you talk about crushing blow. We we say, hey, you know, the rebuild is on. We're Mm -hmm. transparent. We're out there. We're, you know, this is the best we got. And they've they've got uh, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, uh, you know. They have a lever to pull. They could fire their chief. They like, could. You know, and he was the guy who rescued them, what was it, 18? 19. 18, going into, yeah, yeah 19, 19, 18, 19. They fired well, they were him. in last place. Right, they are dead last. And I Because I remember on the Winter Classic, that was Bruins-Hawks. And then it was like the Hawks and the Blues were like two of the worst three teams in the league. Yeah. And then the Blues took off like a rocket. And so I wonder if I wonder if he's one of those guys that just has a shelf life because certain coaches just wear on you, and that's a very that's a veteran group. If they're just like, man, like we're tired of hearing from this guy, get somebody else in here. I could see that being being a thing. Charlie, I have another uh, question for you, Insider. Sure, uh, Ian Mitchell. We have an update on him. 
Yep. So he actually uh, he has been, he's been skating for a while. Um, he'd obviously missed all of camp and preseason with that wrist injury. So he was skating for a while just cause, to kind of keep the conditioning up. But um, he finally returned to practice right before the, the team left um, to go on that trip. And they sent him back to, um, well, they activated him off injured reserve on Friday, uh, yesterday, and then sent him to Rockford. I think it's the right move. I, I think he's really motivated. And he was, you could kind of hear it in his voice, like how disappointed he was that he didn't get a full training camp because he, yeah. he kind of wanted to go into this season with the mindset that he was going to push for a, a full-time roster spot. Um, and so the fact that he's now in Rockford, it's the right call just because you got to get him game. You can't just throw him into the fire right away. Um, there, there's, there was really no ramp up for him. Uh, but we'll see. Like if there are injuries on, on the roster, like the Blackhawks had uh, in training camp where it was Jake McCabe and Connor Murphy and Caleb Jones, like, you know, they got decimated for a little bit there. If they do have some injuries to the, um, the NHL club, I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the first call-ups. Hey, Charlie, uh, Blackhawks fans are going to get to see some defensemen prospects that are in the system around the holidays uh, for Team Canada in the World Junior Championships. Uh, Kevin Korchinski, Ethan Del Mastro, and Nolan Allen are all projected to be on Team Canada as left defensemen. Uh, that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's great. Like, I can't even tell you, like, the last several World Juniors, there have been like so little Blackhawks prospects to kind of circle and watch that it'll finally be nice to be able to watch these World Junior tournaments and, and see how, how A, the Blackhawks prospects are developing and how they're performing in those tournaments, but also to kind of look at the, the upcoming draft class. Like I saw the projected lineup for Team Canada, like Fantilli and Bedard are, <laughs> might start on the same line. Like those guys are going to go one and two in the draft this year. So Chicago fans can even get excited about that while they're keeping an eye on those defensemen guys. I mean that that's just that's just unfair. Yeah. That's just unfair. You put Korchinski on the blue line with those two guys in front of him, like that's Ooh. that's those are weapons but, you know, on we weapons. We got that call earlier about you know what you're you're seeing the beginning of that. The yeah. fact that Team Canada, who is the gold standard usually, totally, uh, you know, to see three prospects all in the mix as. D pairings yeah. on the left side. That says that says that you probably made some good calls. You probably made some good calls, and it, I would say, like just from a math perspective, at least one will be an impact NHL right, guy. Right. Uh, my money's on Korchinski. Yeah, he's I think, special. I think he's special. All right, Charlie. We'll see you in studio tonight. You're going to be with uh, Colby Cohen and myself as the handsome ready, crew. We get ready for Blackhawks and Ducks at nine o'clock. So rest up. Get that hair properly quaffed, and uh, I'll see you in a few hours. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take a nap now, so I'll see you guys tonight. All right. Thanks, Char- Charlie. It's Charlie Romeliotis yeah. from NBC Sports Chicago. Coming up, uh, what's the status of World Cup of Hockey? We'll uh, get an update from Chief on that. It's the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. You're listening to The Hockey Show. Call us or tweet your comments to at ESPN 1000. The Hockey Show. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Welcome back to The Hockey Show on ESPN 1000. Thanks to our producer, Kendra Smith, our guest, Charlie Romaliotis. Our sponsor, the Chicago Wolves, as I mentioned, tonight's Military Appreciation Night, 7 o'clock against Iowa tomorrow afternoon at 3. It's family day. Wolves play six of their next seven games all at home, and uh, the Wolves are coming off a 5-3 victory over 
their hated rot wolf from Milwaukee on Wednesday. Uh, these will make a great Christmas gift, too. Take the whole family out. Christmas right around the corner. Buy some tickets. Get out there this the year. Wolves. Yep. We will not get to see World Cup of Hockey coming up in 2024. Uh, bring us up to speed on why that's not going to happen. Yeah, so this is one of those things that it just pulls at my heartstrings. Because when I was a little 10-year-old chief watching USA uh, knock off Canada, and that had Gretzky and Lindros and Messier, and we had, you know, Amante and Madonna, Brian Leach, Chelios, Ronick. Actually, I don't think Ronick was in. Was no, I don't think he played. I think he, he had a contract issue. But Mike Richter and Net, like all like my heroes when yeah. I was a kid, it was the best hockey I've ever seen. And they haven't been able to duplicate that tournament since. So they they tried it, what was it, maybe 10 years ago, 8 years ago now, something like that. But then they're like, ah, we don't really have enough teams, so we're going to have this U23 team. So, like, McDavid wasn't on Team Canada. It was a mess. Uh, that tournament was, like, just okay. And then they're going to run it back. And, it like, it was supposed to be in 2024. They just announced in March that they were going to do it. So the reasoning that they're giving and Emily Kaplan reported on this as well, was largely because of what's going on in Ukraine with Russia and Putin. Obviously, Russia is a superpower with hockey. And then it's like, ah, do we have like a them just play like they've done in the Olympics recently under, you know, because they're violating other, right. other, right. other yeah. things. Where it's just they have neutral colors, neutral flag. And ultimately, they just said it wasn't, it sounds like it was more like a uh, a brand thing, that they just didn't want to have any any corporate sponsors. It was like brand safety. It's so disappointing. Just, yeah. just play the tournament. And I also think it's like this is a time, if you look around Europe and around the world, hockey is really growing. Germany's taking off. They're a way stronger program than they've ever been. Switzerland, we have that right here with Khrushchev, they, and they have a few other guys scattered around the league. Slovakia is having like a renaissance, golden generation. Sweden. We see Sweden. But Slovakia, like they were down for a long time. And then this past three, four, three years, I think you've had – more first round picks out of Slovakia than any time in their history. So we would have had like this, like eight or nine, like very competitive teams when it used to be five. Right. So now it's like that would have been a spectacular tournament in February and they just nixed it. Yeah. And I'm a big fan of the NHL's participation in the Olympics Me as well. Me too. I, I, I think, you know, and look, the players like it. Mm -hmm. It's it's great for their brand. Yep. Uh, and it's good for the NHL because you stop the, the, the league down in, let's say it's February, right? And for three weeks, the best players on the planet go at it. And then they come back stateside uh, for March and April, the, the final, right. you know, last couple hurdles before the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's a great launching Slingshot. pad into, yeah. your, into your playoffs. And, and and they have to find a way to make it work. And back in the day, the one the tournament I'm referencing took place in September, so you used it to kind of launch the season. So there's a there should be a way to, or a time and a and a place to do this tournament the right way. And they used to have the final was a three game a best of three. So you you know USA and Canada they had a brawl because there was like a genuine rivalry. They hated each other. I love hatred in hockey. I want to have some of that. I want to have like these moments like. We will never get to see because of Olympic participation's been uh, you know rugged, and then this tournament's canceled. I would love to see Kane on a line with Matthews or Eichel or oh. like you know like we never had centers. We never had centers. That was the one thing that's holding us back. Now United States finally does, and we don't get to put our best together. It's very it like it like eats at me because I want to see that tournament. And I want us to have our gen this generation's version of that '96 thing. I think that was important for people my age. Uh, and then obviously 1980, like uh, this group would be good enough to, to have some big moment if they would just let them.
Coming up next week, Marion Hosa, a week from tomorrow, will be uh, honored at the United Center. His number 81 jersey will be raised to the rafters. We'll talk a lot about Haas. A perfect hockey player. A perfect perfect hockey player. And you know what? And I will say this. When you... When we revisit his story, he was absolutely screwed when he signed a contract with Ottawa and they shipped him off the same day to Atlanta. He told that story on Chicklets. It was was an incredible story. And then how he used Pittsburgh and Detroit to get like his master's and Ph.D. in championship hockey Mm -hmm. and then brought that to Chicago. So we'll have our favorite Marion Hosef. Memories as we honor Haas number 81 next week on the Hockey Show. Coming up next, it's White Sox Weekly. That'll do it for the Hockey Show on ESPN 1000.